Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Jess Mills, and welcome to Human Podcast a place to hear extraordinary human stories that celebrate the limitless potential of human beings. Each week I'm in conversation with a celebrated trailblazer or unsung hero whose awe-inspiring personal story demonstrates the breathtaking things that human beings are capable of overcoming and achieving. Human has been created to make these stories more seen, more heard and more celebrated. In this first series we're exploring extraordinary personal stories of resilience and trying to understand how it enables us to overcome the most impossible experiences. Every story of greatness holds the messiness and fragility of living too, and so often our pain is our greatest teacher. So if the world is feeling like a dark or difficult place, join us and let your heart be uplifted by the fire of the human spirit. Hello humans and welcome to the fifth episode of the Human Podcast. And now I could not feel more privileged this week to be sharing the story of our absolutely sensational guest, the writer Emma Campbell. Now, um, I've been thinking about what what the best possible way is to introduce Emma. But um, what I thought is most appropriate is to read to you a section from the foreword of her absolutely heart-bursting memoir, all that followed that was written by her oncologist who has treated Emma for breast cancer at different points over the last 10 years. And this this is Emma in his words. He says, I first met Emma on the morning of the 3rd of June, 2010. I must have seen tens of thousands of patients presenting with breast cancer, but this was by far the most extraordinary case because of her family circumstances. The challenging circumstances was that she had four children, three of whom were triplets, born prematurely five months previously by caesarean section breastfed all the babies for three months but then found the lump in her breast and another under her arm. Sadly the partnership with the father of her children broke down and she was then a single parent. Her maternal instincts to live and care for her children were immense. Would she have the mental courage and physical ability to succeed against these potentially overwhelming challenges? How could Emma possibly get through all of her treatment and still keep her family together? It would require a level of determination and a will to prevail that I could not imagine was possible yet yet here we have somebody who describes herself as not just as Emma Campbell but as limitless M now Emma this is a particularly powerful name when we understand the context and these events that were taking place in your life when this name was adopted 
so I would just love for you just to spend a little bit of time now um, just to telling us just to tell us a little bit more about this so it's interesting the limitless um, um, sort of handle that I, I gave myself at the beginning of last year which is when I had my third diagnosis and it was very much kind of rather than feeling limitless every day and feeling like some kind of superhero but fundamentally believing that we are all limitless. It was almost like I, I decided that that would be a wonderful daily reminder to myself of, of my inherent limitlessness. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? That feeling that we all actually can overcome so much and come through so much. So I kind of, yeah, rather than a, I'm so this or I'm so that, I, I, I'm invincible. It, it was just much more of a no, I, I feel that. I believe it about all of us. I don't always believe it about myself. But if it's something that I'm, if it's that, it's a word, it's a powerful word. And I think language and the words we choose to use and assign to ourselves are so important and powerful. So powerful, so powerful. And, and particularly so as, 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 you know, I was just saying when, how this name speaks to the incredible, I mean, the overlaying of some of the most challenging things that a person can possibly go through um that have all manifested in your life put some of which kind of concurrently in the last 10 years and I would just love for you just to spend a bit of time telling our, our listeners ab about this about this time so well it kind of I suppose the main crux of, of the story began like you say um sort of 10 years ago when well for me in a way like the years preceding that weren't weren't easy I, I had my now 17 year old son um Jake, my wonderful boy, who came along very unexpectedly in a new relationship. Um, you know, we would have, we thought we were being careful, but we clearly weren't. And he 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 came along, a wonderful gift. Um, after Jake was born, I developed. Um, I touch on this briefly in the book, but not in great detail. I contracted necrotizing fasciitis, which is a flesh-eating bug. It's pretty much like a horror movie-style bug. Um, most people lose limbs huge amount of people don't don't survive it kind of gobbles you up really so having had an emergency c-section with jake i then ended up in intensive care and you know i was kind of hovering um between life and death quite dramatically but i came through that and um was an absolutely besotted mum to jake um and when jake was two three years old this yearning for baby number two kicked in and my partner was kind of uneasy, but we both, because of what I'd been through and because of our kind of fragile financial situation and all of those practicalities, but my longing, and, and I think so many women especially can relate to this, it was just such a primal physical longing to, to complete, to, in my mind, complete my family. I was gonna have two kids, Jake was gonna have a sibling, and that was that. And it didn't happen like that. It, I spent the next four years having recurrent miscarriages and secondary infertility. So that became an absolute all-consuming obsession. Um, so, which, you know, put a great strain on an already quite fragile relationship and quite an unfortunately volatile relationship. Um, and then by the miracle of, you know, modern science and, and one round of IVF, the triplets, we found out that we were having triplets which was again another kind of, you know, I remember my partner saying, but what, what if we have twins? You know, what are we gonna do? We were living in a small two bedroom flat up loads of stairs. 
And I was like, don't be ridiculous. Of course we're not going to have triplets. You know, it'll be a miracle if we have one baby. Despite the fact that every single week I was sitting in the IVF clinic looking at pictures of triplets and twins and quads on the wall, but I just couldn't relate. The idea of a baby felt so out of my reach that I just couldn't connect with the quite, you know, chance of, of a multiple birth. Um, with each stage, the ante was being upped in that, you know, we had a very early scan. It's twin one, twin two. Wow, you're having twins. Gosh, okay, right, we can do this. And lots of scans up until the 20 week scan. Twin one, twin two, got to the 20 week scan and the room went very quiet. And Theo, my triplet number three, was found hiding. Um, so that was a kind of another, you know, world spinning on its axis. Meanwhile, you know, relationships becoming more and more under pressure. The kind of walls were closing in with oh, what are we actually going to do? How are we, how are we going to do this? Anyway, so by the, unfortunately, by the time the babies were born, the, the relationship was really had crumbled into quite a dramatic, um, in, a, in a dramatic way. Um, and I'd had a lump in my breast for years and years, and I'd had it checked years earlier. I'd had a mammogram, and it hadn't really, it never changed, but I'd always found my fingers kind of, you know, absentmindedly going towards my right boob and this lump that just was always there. Um and then as a result of IVF, as a result of me expressing milk, um, no sleep, lost a huge amount of weight due to the kind of stress of everything. Was a very, very aware of physical changes in my breast, but didn't really make the connection at that point. This lump had gone. And then I later found out that that lump had become a five centimeter mass. But it, you know, I just, I think I was in, I was in survival mode at that point, you know, um, in a very, very, quite frightening situation at home um the babies at the you know in this flat I felt quite trapped um and I really was just living hour by hour feeding them around the clock you know we didn't have a room for them they were three little Moses baskets around the bed my partner was sleeping on the sofa by this point trying to keep everything normal for my eldest son it was it was it was a pretty horrific time which breaks my heart still because I look back at photos of the babies you know I'm lucky enough to have multiples that have no health issues you know physically well strong but I almost it's almost still quite painful to look back at that time because I had none of that new you know that, that lovely feeling that you imagine every other mother's feeling and we know that's not true but you imagine every other mother's in this cocoon of bliss you know I mean I mean even even in what you could describe as inverted commas normal and I, I don't think yeah. anybody's experience no. of becoming a mother or going through birth and all these things you know it's a very classic example of how the extraordinary things we do are just normalized under the banner of ordinariness you know I yeah. I don't know anybody that hasn't become a mother and it'd be some of the most challenging difficult Absolutely. you know time of their lives in lots of ways amongst all the other kind of glorious bits too but I, I do think there's such a kind of unspoken narrative about the dark side of, of new motherhood even when you are dealing with even even in the most supported family with, yes, with, exactly. with a loving partner with one baby having triplets mm. with a partner who with whom the relationship is breaking down Emma I mean I think I think part of that kind of idea that everyone else was having this idyllic experience of motherhood and the, the drive for me, a huge part of the drive to, to get it right, in inverted commas, the second time, you know, with Jake and the sort of flesh eating drama, that I was, I, I felt very cheated of that experience of again, of being a new mum and my perfect little boy and 
and it was a it was a huge physical trauma it was a emotional trauma um and so then when the triplets came again there was none of that there was none of that feeling of of normal kind of hazy days of you know it was just yeah absolute survival mode um so basically the kind of those early months with the triplets were kind of living hour to hour absolutely consumed by feeding them through the night very little respite and just trying to minimize the drama that was unfolding at home um and my partner moved out um, when they were sort of five six months old and a couple of weeks later i was feeding in the middle of the night and felt a lump under my armpit and I still didn't do anything about it I think I just was it was a one it um it took another couple of weeks for me to kind of finally think right okay I, I've got some calm at home now I can deal with this went to the GP and everything was very very fast-tracked from then and I had lymph node involvement the large tumor and um yeah it was pretty pretty full-on so I then embarked on when the babies were six months old embarked on a year's worth of intense treatment um and as I've written about everyone the most incredible community female in particular support it just felt like at every turn people you know the, the love and the kind of support that it was a community you know, we live in in London we live in a we don't live in a little village or a little town you know, we live in a busy part of of inner London but it felt like a community episode that so many were going through and it affected I remember saying to you know it's one good friend of mine and continually feeling this kind of debt of oh thank you so much you know endlessly thanking people for all that they were doing for me feeling so terrible that people were having to you know people were just dropping things and sleeping on my sofa at night to help me feed the babies but it's one good friend of mine said but Emma you're you this is bringing us together too there's a giftedness for all of us you know because they became this, there was this forged strong group of women who just, there was a rotor, there was, I, I didn't even have to think about it. I was just told every other day, right, so-and-so is dropping a lasagna round or, you know, incredible acts of love. In hindsight, you're just in that and you're, you're you know, as anyone who's been through an, a, a sort of dramatic illness and cancer, it's, it's all consuming. There are so many appointments. You're, But it's, again, it's in hindsight that you look back and think, wow. Um, Anyway, I mean, to, to sort of push the story forward, I, I did very well. I, I got the all clear um, and life then it was a case of kind of picking up physically, which I did. I was young. I was fit. I recovered very well. But emotionally, I was in a, in a very, very bad way with, with anxiety, high, 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 sort of quite paralyzing anxiety, this fear that I wasn't going to be here for the babies, that any minute now the, the walls were going to come crumbling in and I was going to be re-diagnosed. And at that point, I wasn't part of any kind of, there was no online world that I could delve into. There were no, I certainly didn't want to go and sit in a support group somewhere in a church hall and look at other women who might be less well than me. You know, I was so, so terrified. So those years, those kind of like wilderness years of, of being a, a mum, you know, more and more of a single mum because their dad's involvement got less and less to a point where now, you know, he's not, he's unfortunately at this point not in, their lives at all um but you know I had to really pick up the pieces on my own it really was that kind of hard slog and um but the, the sort of tragedy again of that I had these babies I had my health but I I wasn't present you know I I wasn't able to fully enjoy again you think right well I've if it was a movie you think well I'm, I'm over that now the cancer's gone now I'm going to live this life of heightened 
you know, everything's going to be in Technicolor all the time, but it isn't. You're still a mum, harassed mum with triplet toddlers in Asda or wherever and you know kind of all the there's a flat tire or it's a rainy Sunday and you just want to cry at seven o'clock in the morning because you don't know how you're going to get through the day but gradually the kind of they they grew I the years ticked by and I got to kind of four or five years of being cancer free and I really they started reception Jake started secondary school and I really did feel like I've done it I've done it there was a closure with with their dad that gave me a mental freedom of the kind of fear of things and I really felt, I suppose, the beginning of those limitless days of, I've done it, I've come through, now it's my turn, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to thrive now. And sure enough, I was then re-diagnosed, um, which put me in the secondary uh, breast cancer category, which, as we know, even though I don't choose to use this language on paper, they would then, you know, say that you're in the incurable category. So, but alongside that, alongside that absolute devastating blow which was so much more devastating than the time before because the time before I was I was already on, at rock bottom I was already living in this state of crisis whereas five years on I'd done the babies were thriving we had everything to live you know we uh, so the thought of leaving them at this point was just even sort of more horrific but at the same time I was then falling in love with the man who's now my husband so there were these, again, these extremes, you know, of, of potential <laughs> premature death, falling dramatically in love with a wonderful man. And um, so that was that was five years ago. Um, I mean, there's so much to talk about. What you just said then, it's kind of, it's it really speaks to, there's something you say in your book, there's a really powerful um, thing you said in your book, you said, um, until I until you were diagnosed with cancer, you said I didn't know I was born. Oh yeah, and it and it really speaks to this sense of how even amongst the most terrifying, the most terrifying and painful things, there is the coexistence of so many other feelings that come with that. That and that you know somehow by coming face to face with our mortality and all its kind of strangeness and complex like. Pain, painful tangible form you know within that you know it also on the flip side brings brings with it this intensely amplified experience of living and it just seems that is just entwined in everything that you're saying exactly and I think that is the biggest aware of not sounding like a greeting card you know or a twee kind of statement that is the absolute gift for me is this you know have, of course there are there are the mundane, overwhelmed days that we all have, and the down days, and the and the. But there is an intense feeling of, of the preciousness of life. And when I talk about urgency, it's not because I think I'm not going to be here in two years or three three years. It's an urgency to live the fullest, biggest, boldest life I can. And that for me, has taken me, you know, towards the end of my forties, and I have to sort of forgive myself in a way or not have the regrets that I have had of looking back at my teens my 20s my 30s living this life where I thought I had these problems and I thought I I had no, I had no confidence I had no belief in myself I lived a very very small life when actually on of course the world was my oyster as it is for those of us lucky enough to be well and young and fit and I had no limitations, I now realise, but I lived a very, very limited life and it's now I feel, I just feel passionate about 
just saying the biggest yes to, to life. And um, I really don't mean to speak in, in sickly cliches, but it does come back to that, doesn't it? It's, and that's, the, that's where the urgency comes from. Um, whether I live for five years, 10, 20 years, I just, life is such a contrast of agony and tragedy and beauty and magic. Mm. And, and often all at the same time. All at the same time. And it's, you know, talking about the parallels between, you know, when the babies were born, the big, I mean, the miracle. I mean, I'm a huge believer in manifestation and kind of the energy that we give off and, and really in having strong intentions for what you desire. And the, the, the talk about being a man, you know, the, the, the yearning and the, the obsession for a baby and me, I remember right, you know, one of the my, my favourite bits in the book is when I kind of, you know, that feeling that I always had, I'd look up to the sky as if, you know, challenging God, the universe to say, come on, bring it on, just give me a, give me a baby and I can handle anything. It was like, there was no beyond having this other baby. There was nothing, if I had this second baby, if I could, this, this, if that came about for me, then it was almost like I was challenging life. You know, and then sure enough, of course, the biggest challenges of all came my way. But these babies were here and they were perfect and the, and the most incredible miracle. And then the tragedy alongside of possible, possibly not being here as their mum. And then with Dave, you know, when I met Dave five years ago, you know, the, as anyone knows, the sort of secondary diagnosis. And Dave's your husband. Yeah. yeah but the kind yeah. of absolutely... I'll never forget the morning after the diagnosis. I was sleeping at my dad's because I couldn't bear to be around the kids. When when the kind of crisis hits, I it's too painful for me to to be around them. And we'd we'd come back from the hospital. We knew that, we knew that I wasn't well, and I went straight to my dad's and his his wife's. And I slept in the top room that always still to this day makes me shudder because it represents trauma being up in that top spare bedroom. But I remember him coming in that morning with a tray of tea and. It's all right, my darling, you're going to be okay. It's going to, we've been talking about it. You're going to be okay. And I just burst into tears and said, I've met, and I hadn't even met Dave at this point, but it was like, I've, I've met someone. I've, there's someone that's come into my life. And, and it was just like these, again, the, you couldn't, the extremes, you know. Mm -hmm. And somehow that's how my life has felt for the last 10 years. It's just, I, I live in a, I live with these kind of extremes, I guess. But again, that just is your... Again, it's just it's more it's just more expression and more manifestation of the coexistence of stuff, you know. And I think I think we know in this conversation about resilience. I think, you know, and we and this is just what you're speaking to, just in the most most powerful ways that so often our experience of our own resilience comes in our ability to hold such hugely, extremely different states of being at one time. You know, and it's the ex and it's the expansiveness of yourself that you experience. You know, when you're really tapping into that well of resilience, which is just so extraordinary. You know. Yeah, but what really struck me this morning, just before we spoke, I was listening to your episode with um, Dr. Hashi, mm. and that the, I had to stop and write it down. He talks about the luxury of thriving, because that's the thing. You know, and th the, being able to thrive comes with stability. And he was talking yeah. about the the young people that he'd worked with, and, and that you know for for that. So now I feel like because there is a despite the, the the health kind of uncertainty, I have a 
there's a stability in my life that, that was missing for so many years. So maybe now, and I had this huge realization, thanks to Dr. Hashi this morning of, ah, there's no way I would have described myself as limitless M or use that vocabulary eight, nine, 10 years ago, because I was absolutely surviving every minute of every day. And of course I can look back and think, wow, I must've been strong. I didn't feel strong. I didn't feel resilient. I had no, I was on the front line of my own life. Do you know what I mean? And now, despite still living with a, with a cancer diagnosis and, and challenge, challenging other areas of challenge in life, I do have the luxury of feeling like I can thrive because there's a foundation there that wasn't there before. And I think that's, that. so that was, that's given me goosebumps saying it, but that's, that was a huge light bulb for me this morning. It, he, he articulated it so perfectly. That's so, that, that's so lovely to hear that. And I, I mean, it's a big conversation actually around that needs to be had. I mean, I mean, and that is had around resilience about, you know, and we've, we've spoken about this quite a lot in the series that, you know, resilience can't just be measured by somebody literally just surviving on, you know, just physically standing on two feet. It has to be measured much more by how people are able to thrive. And it's really interesting that in your in the experience of these incredibly challenging events in your life in the last 10 years, you can really see that kind of the shift between being in survival mode to, to what you describe as thriving more. And I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about what, what it is that enables a person to thrive under, you know, extreme, extreme kind of adverse and challenging experiences. It's, I think I, I was talking to someone yesterday about this, who's, who's, who I reached at, who we connected because of her health and, and, and I heard myself talk and thought, oh, but am I saying anything of any value here? But I think one thing I, I found myself saying is I think, you know, I'm, I'm 10 years into this cancer story. So in, on one, in one hand, I've come to terms with something which I think you never imagine, you know, the, the, the worst has happened to me several times. So I think, that somehow you, you we we whether it's grief the loss of of someone whatever it is whatever tragedies fall upon us somehow the human way is that we will adapt and we will adjust and somehow we find a way of living with something so i think a big part of the turnaround for me has been maybe it has maybe it has been time maybe it has been a simple case of the years passing and i'm still here despite dot 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 but i think i think i've I think I've just I've found my way of if you know I have, a, I have some of my sort of spiritual beliefs that I access I I know I, I just have my sort of touchstones my own the, the thoughts the things that I come back to again and again that I know are the tools in my toolbox for my own strength and yeah, I guess I've just found my my coping mechanism. I'm not. I'm probably not explaining it very no, well. No, I love that. I love. I love that image of 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 you know having this kind of internal, this internal toolbox that you very you kind of consciously, kind of open and 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 draw for. And I, I mean, what what's inside that toolbox? If you could describe it. In the toolbox is a passionate belief that the thoughts we choose, our thoughts, are so powerful and. Right the vocabulary used, the thoughts we choose to think, and that actually fear, the you know, a belief is a thought you just keep thinking. So for mm. years I lived in a state of, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. I didn't die, but 
I that voice was so loud and I think I've just learned somehow how to to last week for example felt very run down spent a lot of the week in bed which triggers me hugely takes me back to it almost feels like trauma even though I just had a bad cold you know and needed to sleep a lot but I don't I didn't like the feeling I naturally get quite low get down get fearful is there something else going on am I not well and and so that so I str I've struggled quite a lot in the last week with those dark thoughts and I know I know that they'll pass but I also know now that I yeah it's my own internal conversation I guess it's it's self-soothing it's self-soothing talk you know I'm a natural catastrophizer I've done it from the time I could talk and it's recognizing that now and just talking myself down from the ledge a little bit and and it really is self-soothing I think is a, is a huge I try to teach it to my kids you know and just being even being very general with your language just kind of if you can't come up with some it's not about coming up with some ridiculously unrealistic positive statement but just it's okay it's okay right now it's okay right now this minute I'm okay do you know what I mean I do I do and it's um I, I was really interested that you started to talk about this language of a kind of internal toolbox um of, of things that you lean into to re kind of resource your own sense of strength because it was something I was really really struck with struck by when reading your book and particularly the stuff that you say um you know that you you know you're not you're not immune to to fears or or anxiety or, or that feeling of falling off off a cliff um but you you have found these powerful coping tools and one of them that is is this thing around gratitude and in your book you talk about how for you the flip side of your devastation is your gratitude and I think there's something about gratitude which is incredibly fortifying and um I mean interest I mean on, on, it really resonated with me because um you know in my own experience of, of, of grieving very intensely in the last um two years since I lost my mum you know for me one of my probably the most important tool that I have to draw for at a time of you know when I'm when things are tough is gratitude you know I could be sitting in the hospital waiting room feeling actually if I let my thoughts go in a pretty bad way and even I'll I will make myself just say that even in a case of just silently saying thank you know saying thank you inside your head or mumbling thank you out under your breath just bringing everything back to this minute this cup of tea right you know and it's it, I guess it ties along with the kind of living in the moment but it does allow you to it helps you to live in the moment I think mm -hmm. at, at practicing gratitude and it just is it has been transformative because you can't it's interesting what you said about the cliff it's like if I think back I think I think I probably spent years teetering on that cliff Probably my whole life was a was a footstep away from the edge of the cliff in my mind, whereas now the cliff edge is still there, but I kind of come and go from the edge, and actually I'm able to pull myself back, and that's a lovely sort of image that you that you created. But I think gratitude just I a I feel genuinely incredibly grateful that I'm here, and I know I have an enormous list of things in my life to appreciate and be grateful for. I have a total intolerance for unnecessary negativity and moaning and you know with the, with the I just want to instill that in the in the my children and just live a life of thanks and gratitude and appreciation and it's been transformative and I might not be explaining 
brilliantly how, but it's just something that I instinctively know is very powerful. You know, whether it's from books I've read 10, 20 years ago, I just know that it's, a, it's almost like a religion. It feels like a, it's a way of life. And it does, and it, and it calls on some of the most kind of ancient, ancient philosophies about, you know, how, how to live well. The idea that the only prayer we ever need to say is the prayer of, you know, to say thank you. You know, and I feel as a, I feel I live, I do genuinely live in that state um, in a very, I do, I practice it daily without even realising it because it's so ingrained in me now. And I trust that, I have a trust that the right people are going to come into my life, that the right support, the right treatment, that my body, you know, the, the way I talk about my body, my body has always responded incredibly well to, to the drugs that I've been given and I choose to believe that it will continue to respond and it's just really being aware of I'm allergic to I'm allergic to to certain terms and the connotations around certain words and the energy around certain words and I just feel that we've we've we're so we're so powerful you know we are all so powerful so much more than we realize and I need to having spent so many years living in a state of fear for for absolutely non-existent reasons and then very real reasons I now am much more rooted in I guess my own resilience and my own strength and my own belief that I will I I, I will handle what's what comes my way I will I will whereas for so many years I it was almost like I was going to dissolve into dust you know I I don't I, I absolutely didn't ever feel like I was resilient in any way up and up until kind of recent years. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I lived as though, I don't know why, but I lived my younger years in a almost, yeah, on, on a red alert. There was in a state of red alert and high anxiety for no real reason, you know. So it's, and then life gave me those reasons and now actually I, I handle it all I so mean, much better. It's, it's interesting that you say um, that you didn't feel resilient when you know, from the outside, your your story demonstrates one of the most extraordinary human kind of triumphs of resilience that I've seen. And but it's but it's interesting, isn't it, that so often we don't experience ourselves in the way that other people. I think for me, it's, yeah, and I think a lot of my sort of it's taken me a long time to to recognise some of my own strengths is that. I felt I've, I've struggled a lot with guilt and feeling that I'd probably because of it being said to me in a negative way when relationships were crumbling and I, I, I feel like I still have to kind of work through this, the feeling that I, you know, one person's desire, that absolute, I describe it in the book as my womb bullying me for years, you know, that absolute kind of tunnel vision about, about having, having a baby and, and how consuming that infertility felt. And then it's almost like, oh, you got what you wanted. And then everything just crumbled around me. And it felt like everyone else had to pick up the pieces. That's kind of in the crudest terms. And I know that no one who loves me sees it like that. But that's, I've battled with that a lot. So in a way that fed into my feeling of weakness. And But you know what? Sometimes the strength that we, when we are on our, when we are at rock bottom, you know, sometimes it, the strength that we, we manifest to get through these things is actually as the result of the love and kindness of people around us and that is also another hugely important thing about the conversation around resilience it's not just something which 
we I think we do have innately and it's not just something that can be nurtured in relationships with people I think it can actually sometimes just be around the kind of life-saving daily acts of people around you helping you to get through and it's all part of the same thing (laughs) you know and you're the part that you play in 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 the triumph of that is 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 just as enormous you know and um I think it's just so beautiful how you reference that the power of community and and the power of kindness so directly in your book because it's it, it is actually the thing and and it's and it's so nice that you reference the conversation in in our in our um in episode three of this podcast with with Muhammad Hashi because he speaks to this so powerfully too it's just like you know resilience you know it's one thing about talking about how do you enable resilience in individuals but then also how do you enable Indi- you know individuals and in communities and how can community enable in you know resilience and in individuals back again and it's this kind of beautiful self-fulfilling circle actually and it's I think in a way it's, it's it's all comes down to love really doesn't it and that kind of fortifying power of love and I think what's been what's been another huge part in my kind of uh, possibly a, a strength that I've found is ironically and kind of madly is is the, the community that I've stepped into online, the virtual kind of social media community that has, you know, the, the women, in, the physical women in my life are, are, are there for me if I, if I need them. They're, they're wonderful. Um, but really now becoming part and the emotional holding that goes on between me and the other, again, mainly women um, on, online you know, who, who are dealing with similar sort of health situations or, or life, it doesn't even have to, it's not even about cancer, but just life challenges, um, has just been, it's just been incredible to feel on my, on the, the beauty of it is, is that, you know, on your, your own terms, so you can be lying in under your duvet having a difficult day and you don't have to engage, but just by observing what that person there is also living with, but living and seeing how they thrive and seeing them draw on their own resilience has just been it it really has made me think well of course I've I've got that too then it's made it easier for me to harness my own because I've it's it's minimized the fears seeing so many other women living bold and bravely and sort of daring greatly to quote Brene Brown um his his who I love who is um has helped me see my own strengths, definitely, 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 because it's the loneliest, loneliest, loneliest thing otherwise, you know. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I think if you really dig down into that, I think it's something about the power of connection and feeling seen by each other that I think is, is hugely fortifying as well. And um, I think social media in, in the right ways is an incredibly powerful. If it helps you, if it serves you to share your story and in a vulnerable, real way, it's you're giving such a gift uh, to, to others because mm-hmm. it's... The relief of, of you know holding that mirror up and, and understand that shared language is it is just incredible. It's to me it's been priceless. It's been nothing but a positive experience. You know, obviously, you know, and, and that's the the sort of community I'm part of and I, the people I choose to follow. And I think if I can be a tiny, if I can give a fragment of that, I because there's a lot I want to give back. I feel like for years and years and years I was ta- I was on the receiving end of so much, and mm-hmm. I. But it's interesting the sense that you you feel a sense of indebtedness. I think that's my stuff as well. I think that's yeah. my stuff because probably what I was I touched on a few minutes ago, feeling almost like I I need to work on this still. This feeling that I, you know, there there was a carnage really. It was almost like you know the world my world imploded and and even in terms of my babies who are now not babies, I wanted them I wanted Jake I wanted them so much and they're the most precious things in the world but it's been tough for them too and I haven't you know they're currently without a present biological dad and they they there's a whole side of their family that currently there's it there's question you know there's unanswered questions there's there's things I don't get right and you know showing a little bit more compassion to my own journey I think in in that way I can see my own strength in lots of ways but in others I you know like all of us you have your vulnerable you have your weaker spots that haven't quite caught up and Mm. you know I find I find it hard this again and then it's that you know the the thing I wanted most has also been you know the the parenting being this fantasy mum the life that I imagined I would have as a mother has has been but the reality has been very very different um but I never stop trying to to make it something special. You, know, you, you told you told me the other day when when, when we um, we spoke on the phone. You said that you'd had the most gorgeous conversation with Jake, your eldest boy, when you're walking through the park. I'd love you to tell us a little bit more oh, about that. Oh, that was I the wisdom of, of children. Hey, I need to I need to get that tattooed. So basically, yeah, last January. Um, I had the phone call, so January 2019, I had the phone call to say that my cancer had returned again. Um, it was a Wednesday afternoon um, and I'd had the call to say that my other breast had several tumours and it looked like there was something on my lung. Um, and my, my Dave rushed home from work, my dad and his wife appeared, we were all sitting in the kitchen, it was a kind of ashen face, my dad just broke down, my dad who I 
worship and adore. Um, and then Jake walked in from school very unexpectedly. Uh, well, it seemed a little bit earlier than expected and he would have been 15. And immediately the blood drained from his face. And he's at that age, he's not the most expressive and kind of chatty, he's quite quiet. He's a quiet, quiet boy. And he just kind of looked stricken. Um, but I needed to have, I, anyway, I suggested that he and I go for a walk on our own so that we could have a chat. And we took the dog, Lola, walked to the nearest cafe on the common, got him a hot chocolate. And he, I sort of veered between being in mum mode, strong mode, don't worry my darling, it's gonna be fine. <laughs> to kind of my voice shaking and my, you know, eyes filling up and and he was just listening. And I was, I was talking, you know, just telling him the situation and obviously trying not to be scary about it. And as we headed back towards home, he just said, and he hadn't said very much throughout the whole walk, he just said, oh, mum, you've just got to live like it's not there. And it was like, it, it, I sort of say this, I felt winded. I kind of, it stopped me in my tracks, that sentence, because it felt like a gift. It felt like God, the universe, whoever had spoken to me and all my angels or whatever and said you just got just just live like it's not there and that is I took that with me from that day and I feel that that is what I do uh, I, that is what I do my very best to do every day I try to minimize so it's gone from being the huge boulder within me and around me to you know a little sort of hard stone that is still there but it's not taking up it's not blocking out the sun you know so the cancer topic the cancer issue is there but it's one small part of me and I did a talk a few months later and I and I, I sort of as I was coming up writing this talk I found myself writing down you know my my heart isn't cancer my lung might be cancer my left breast might be cancer but my soul and my smile and my heart are cancer free you know my legs are, my legs are cancer free my fingers are cancer free so actually when you think of it like that you can shrink it yeah <laughs> and that's sort of currently you know i don't know if i'll be saying the same thing at some point but right now i'm lucky enough to be able to minimize it as much as possible and that so and live like it's not there yeah I mean, it's just, I think there's something, there's something so help, helpful and around this thing of compartmentalizing, isn't there? So that, you know, you, at any one time in your life, you can have multiple different things that are going on, you know, some of which, you know, may be absolutely devastating, other others which are incredible and life affirming, others which are, you know, somewhere in between. And it's about trying to be able to contain the thing which is, taking up most kind of energetic like dominating the energetic space within you I can't go back to those sort of difficult early years and and have magical afternoons doing arts and crafts and baking you know like in a fantasy I can't go back and make those days any easier but I can what I've got now is I, I do I just find I find nuggets of gold in amongst the ongoing <laughs> chaos you know because life is chaotic isn't it and life is endlessly challenging and endlessly testing but I do now I know how to I, I feel like I've learned how to live really I do feel like I've learned how to live and I I will I will squeeze every drop out that doesn't mean I'm jumping out of planes it's not jumping out of planes or climbing mountains it's <laughs> oh, none of that it's so not that but it's just finding <laughs> it is just comes back to those 
just sit and have that cup of tea and enjoy it or or have that moment and then or whatever it is for you it's just and yeah it is it is gratitude and it's it's true and it's it's not you know it's you know you don't want to kind of lean into these kind of what become very sort of overused terms because it can start to feel cliche but actually there is something I think you know if you can meet a moment of devastation with gratitude um you know you can you can you can quite immediately extinguish the most terrifying parts of it you know and and just going back to what you were saying about sending up a prayer of thanks before you go for for treatment or just these these silent thank yous it's just you know it's 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 for the smallest it's for the small things it's for the enormous things it's actually the gra- the, the 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 kind of meditations on gratitude i think are part of what enables us to compartmentalize isn't it so you know we we're talking you know it, it's it's the gratitude that enables the reds the blues the yellows purples greens golds and silvers to shine just as brightly when you've got a big fat smear of grey and black all, all together at one end. But that's what the gratitude does, doesn't it? It allows all the other colours and all the other, the glorious things that coexist alongside the really incredibly difficult, awful stuff. It allows those things to shine just as bright. I think that's what it is. I think it is. And I think what I've also, it's taken me so, so long to, to realise, but what again it's been said so many times in probably better ways but I you will feel those wonderful feelings again you know even if I think of you know my anxiety around appointments and scans and results and hearing about things and the torturous days I've spent in an overcrowded waiting room thinking is this it is this the day is this the day if you could just one tiny little whisper remind yourself that but you won't be sitting here this time tomorrow. You won't. Be. Whatever you hear, whatever happens, this moment is going to go, and some another moment will come in. And the impermanence, the impermanence. But you know, and they're just. And that's, I guess, that that's the toolbox thing because there's no, there's no magic to it. It's not an etch a sketch, and we can kind of just wipe out and obliterate all of the unpleasant stuff. It's just. It's hard work, isn't it? You've got to do the work and continually come back to the techniques and tools and, and self-talk that works for you. Um, and I've got mine now, which is... I've got to practice what I preach because I blab on about it enough, you know. Oh, Emma. Well, listen, my love, we are tragically, as ever, we're, we're coming to the end of, of, of this incredibly special time together. And... So just 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 to move um, to the next question, if um, so, if there was a person, living or dead, who you'd want to be proud of you, who would that be, and why? It'd have to be the kids. I know it sounds. It has to. Be, it has to be. I'm going to cry. I think because so much of my time is spent worrying about not being what they need and not giving them what they need and want in and wanting them to see in themselves what it's taken me so so long to see in myself and and I just yeah I want I hope I do it right for them you know I think that's because I know 
the, the, the people closest to me, I, I know I feel their love and I feel their pride. And I guess with little ones and a teenager, they're not, they're not, you know, it's, you've just got to hope that later on that you'll feel that from them, you know, um, and that you've not fucked up <laughs> too badly. Um, yeah. Well, listen, with the, with the way you love those children, there's nothing more in the world they could possibly wish for. What more can we ask for than to be, to be, to be loved and, and to give love? It's the greatest gift in the world. It really is. Yeah. And you made me cry right at the end. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, um, to play us out today. So if you could, if, if it was possible to dedicate your story to a song, what would that song be and why? So this song, I can't hear it without sobbing into big blubbery fat tears. It just sums up everything I've just said, I guess, and the yearnings that I had to create a family that was loving and peace this peace it's called peace in this house and it's the version that i i've heard is by it's jesse buckley it's in a film called wild rose um and it's just the most beautiful song about motherhood and the the dream for peace and that's all that you want as a mum is it's just that it's just that magic it's that magic with them really and peace i think there's peace is something that i now cherish and so here you have it jesse buckley peace in this house hey kids turn off the tv no i don't want to watch the evening news just come on over here and sit down next to me let your mama look at you and you and you your beautiful faces and i want to keep safe as long as i can i'm telling you right now it's gonna be peace in this house it's gonna be peace in this house Gonna be some tender talking and some sweet little nothings that add up to the somethings we can live without. There's gonna be peace in this house. Some belief in this house. Thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcast app, then please do. And you know the score five stars please if you'd like to come and say hello on instagram then you can find me and all things human podcast related at this is jess mills this podcast was created and hosted by me jess mills with creative co-production by bonnie tyburn and produced by joel porter at dot 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 This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. 
Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.